Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Hello, beautifuls. How are you? I hope you're great. I'm great. I'm having an amazing day. And I am so excited to bring this interview to you. We are talking to one of my favorite people on the planet. Her name, Elizabeth Rappa, also known as Lizzie May. Lizzie May is the wife side of the wife-husband team over at ForgottenCotton.com, an awesome accessory and jewelry shop that you can find on Etsy. And Lizzie supports my scarf addiction, and I really appreciate that. They've got great, great stuff. You should totally go and check them out, ForgottenCotton.com. But I could probably talk about Lizzie all day, and that's not the point. We've got to get over this interview, but I hope you love it. I love her so much. She's a riot, and I'll catch you again on the flip side. Welcome to the Notable Woman Podcast. Today's interview is with one of my favorite people on the planet, soon to be yours too. She's a fine artist, which means she's an actor, dancer, painter, singer, who turned the force of that talent to teaching before launching her own creative business, which has been a huge success. She's half of the team over at Forgotten Cotton that started in New York City before moving cross-country to the beautiful Wyoming state where she has a lovely ranch. I'm happy to introduce you to a notable woman like no other, Elizabeth May Rapa. I call her Lizzie, though, just so you know who I'm talking about. Welcome to the podcast, Lizzie. So happy that you're here. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Yay, I know. You're a hard person to book because you are so busy. Well, you know, when you asked, I was like, yes, just not right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I asked you back in October. Yeah. So, yeah. and now it's January. It's January. It's, Here we are. I know. Crazy. But let's talk a little bit about you as a creative force. Ooh. When did you first get into the arts? So I feel like I was always into art and stuff like that. Like my mom is, she's going to love that I'm giving her a shout out too. But she's like <laughs> so creative. Do you know what I mean? Like she... Worked at a floor shop, so she did like flower arrangements and sewed her own curtains and she made wedding dresses and always was sewing and making and her and her best friends painted murals in our elementary school. I mean, you just name it and like she did it. So I feel like growing up, like it was always this kind of thing where like we always had like hands on crafts and stuff that we were given as gifts. So I had like Uh, needlepoint and, you know, cross stitch and crocheting and sewing and, you know, just all those kind of things. And then so my mom really fostered that kind of creative energy. I don't think it was anything that it was like, maybe parents nowadays feel like I need to foster the creativity in my kids. Like it was just like what she did. She also like played the piano. You know what I mean? Like she just did everything. So it was just kind of this thing where I never thought about it as like a thing that I was doing. It was just like the way that our household was. So I would always find like her drawing books and I'd be drawing and like my sister took piano lessons. So like I would take her sheet music and like play the piano. And when I was eight or nine, I started to get into dance. And then like, that was it for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) 
I was in dance all the time. By the time I was in high school, I was like taking dance every night of the week. And then I got into the school plays. And then my mom and her best friend ran a creative program called Odyssey of the Mind that was like a competition, a creative competition that um, my best friends and I did from third grade to like 11th. And we went to worlds and competed against people all over the world. So it's just kind of this thing where it's like, it was like always who I was and always what I did. And I only think that has to do with the kind of household I grew up in. That is awesome. And then you took all that amazing yeah. list of creative activities and then went to college to be a fine artist. Yes. Yeah, so I was really into tap as an art form, as a dance. I took private lessons and everything. I was really good. So I wanted to go to a college that let me tap. So my college principal was really good friends with my family and wanted to make sure that I got into a good school. So in my junior year, he was like, you need to start looking into colleges, you know. So he gave me a list and like I looked at all these colleges and stuff and I came across Cedarcrest College. And well, that was it for me. Yep. <laughs> One visit to Cedarcrest and I was like, uh, this is where I'm going to college. It's like the most beautiful campus. They had tap. They had Nicole Hockenberry, that who was like this tap goddess that like I could study under. They allowed you to do theater and dance, and they had Marion, and you know they just had this awesome like you know rocks and just this awesome crew of people that you were like oh my god like I have to be here like this is a school that fosters creativity in their students in a small student body on a beautiful campus and that was it It was the only school I applied to that's awesome I had an experience I applied there because. I had gotten something in the mail from them and a woman that I know from growing up in Bucks County, her name's Jen Ferris, she went there. And so when I got the oh. letter in the mail, I said, oh, you know, I know somebody who went here. This is interesting. And so I applied because I just, you know, applied to random schools like you do right. when you're right. a little bit of an idiot. Yeah. And then... What do you know at 17? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, how do you know what college you want to go to? Like, it's crazy. It's a really big decision when you know basically nothing. You think you know a lot, but you really, unfortunately, do not. And yeah, I, you yeah, you don't know anything. <laughs> that's, that's, I was just <laughs> trying to be polite, but no, you really don't. But you really think you do. But right. so I applied to Cedarcrest, got accepted, and into the honors program, and went to the honors breakfast. And oh yeah, me too. I did that too. Yeah. And that was it. As soon as I walked onto the campus, met all the people, and I went back to school. Yeah that next day or you know that next Monday and all my friends said oh I bet your mom really wants you to go to that all women's college or whatever and I said oh she doesn't really care where I go but I'm gonna go there and they said right <laughs> really right I said yeah I absolutely 100% have never experienced anything like this in my life but I went there and knew that I was supposed to go there yeah so, it's weird and that then way. like Tess who has been my best friend since I was five like, didn't even tell me that she applied there and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Cedarcrest. And I'm like, shut up. I'm going to Cedarcrest. That's <laughs> it awesome. It was just funny. Yeah. Because it's magic. Because there's some sort of voodoo magic. There totally is. It's crazy. I mean, uh, I'm obviously, yeah. it's also a really good school. So plug for Cedarcrest. But also voodoo magic, right. just so you all know. 
Right. So that is awesome. So then you went through college studying to be a fine artist, and then you went to grad school and made the switch into teaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So when I was at Cedarcrest, I had initially went for, you know, dance and, you know, that kind of thing. And then I started to get involved in the theater. And then my first summer of college, I wanted to get a job. So Robin, who is the dance teacher at Cedarcrest, for anybody who doesn't know, was like, oh, you should look into Muhlenberg's summer theater program because they do like behind the scenes stuff. And like I painted, you know, I mean, I didn't really consider myself like a painter at the time as I would maybe now. So I was like, okay, I'll apply for a job. So of course it's like the worst pay ever because that's summer theater. But what did I care? I just wanted to do something. So I applied and got hired as like a painter carpenter. I mean, I don't know what they were going to do with me for carpentry because that would have been rubbish, but whatever, guys, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so the scenic crew was like, they had like a head painter, you know, there was like the set designer and then the head painter. And they kind of like grabbed me and were like, you're with us now and we're not letting you go. And I was like, okay, basically like, whatever. (laughs) What do I know? I don't know anything. And that summer I learned what scenic painting was. And it was like this explosion. Like I didn't know that I could do this and I was really good at it, this faux painting thing. So that was life changing because I didn't know that there was other jobs in theater besides acting and dancing, because what do you know until someone's, hey, look at all this magic behind the scenes and you're like, ooh. So I go back to Cedarcrest and Rox is like, you're going to paint all the scenery and I was okay so here I am a sophomore as a charge artist on being in charge of painting these shows and I loved it so much it was if I could have an ideal job that I did that wasn't this that would be that because like I just loved it so much anyway so then Rox was you're gonna be a designer too and I was okay so Rock took me under her wing and taught me how to do like set design and I got to do costume design and lighting design and painting and I worked at Muhlenberg again and then I worked at the New London Barn Playhouse which was crazy and then I was like okay I'm gonna go to grad school so I applied to grad schools all across the country I got into you know Cal Arts and Florida State and Penn State but none of those schools were in New York and I was moving to New York City like I didn't even care how I had to do it. Like I was moving to New York City. So I went to Brooklyn College. I got accepted into their theater program. I did one year of their graduate theater program. It was complete and utter rubbish. I have not the nice things to say about it or the way that it's run. I don't care because I've been out for so many years that I'm just going to say that it was terrible and I didn't learn anything. So I met Johnny and who's my husband now anyway and I was like my god like what am I gonna do I hate this program I don't know if I want to live the kind of life where it's like because I knew people who are theater designers and stuff and I was do I want to live the life where I have to like move across the country all the time and like never be settled down and whatever and I was just like in panic mode and I was like what else can I do and I'm like well I can teach so Brooklyn College has an amazing education program so I applied And they actually took me because I, even though 
maybe I wasn't the perfect candidate for art education. I had a theater and dance background from Cedarcrest, and they actually took me because they were looking for more people who were well-rounded. Well, so, you're certainly the most well-rounded artist I know. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so, and also at the time, I mean, I think some of us, I mean, I don't know if anybody else would know this, but we have to think back that at the time I switched to the teaching program, New York City was looking to add like 12,000 education jobs. By the time I graduated, there was a hiring freeze on all new teachers. <laughs> so that was the worst because I then now, here I am, I'm like saddled with all this debt and I can't get a job teaching in the public schools in New York. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So I applied everywhere. And then Barkai called me, which is this amazing, small, private Jewish school. And they were looking for a well-rounded educator that did art and theater and dance and all of this stuff. And that's how I got the job there. And that was, I could not have asked for a better teaching slash work environment with a nicer group of people. They're the most amazing community people. I'm friends with all of them still. They're so amazing. Like, I'm so glad that the rabbi was like cool with hiring me and they were cool with me being there and teaching me how to blend into their community and their way. It was just really great. So that's how I became a teacher. And it was a really good decision. That is amazing. Yeah. And then... That fabulous Johnny that you've mentioned, you guys got together. Right. So we got together my first year of grad school. I actually knew him-ish from high school because he grew up down the road from me. He is best friends with the brother of an ex-boyfriend who I'm still friends with. Anyway, we just kind of like, I don't know, like something happened and, you know, the internet, I mean, this was MySpace days, but our paths crossed through this ex-boyfriend. And then, I don't know, six months later, we were engaged, you know, it's just like, (laughs) I was like, after our first date, I like called my friend and I was, I'm going to marry him just so we're aware. And that's totally what happened. (laughs) You know, 10 years later, here we are. So I got hooked up with him, and he's like the best person that could have ever happened to me ever in my whole life. Just love him to pieces. That's amazing. I think it's nice. When I first met my husband, I knew very, very quickly that I wanted to marry him. It took him much, much longer, but it took me. I I don't know how. No, I don't know how it could have taken him much longer because that's ridiculous. How could you have not known immediately that you are the most perfect person in the world? You're so sweet to me. (laughs) So, yes, I love him. And every day that goes by, I like love him more. And he's just perfect. And I had so many trashy relationships. And it's just like this thing where you're like, oh, wait, what? Like, that's how that's how it's supposed to be because. I was under the impression that it was supposed to be awful and this is the best and I don't understand how I got so lucky. That is amazing. And now you guys have a business together. How did that get started? Yes. So my first year of teaching, and this is no slight to Barkai, but I was significantly underpaid. (laughs) And 
you know, Johnny had graduated from school or whatever, and he was looking for work. But like, you know, that recession in New York was terrible. Like that 2008, 2009, 2010 was mm-hmm. just terrible. You couldn't find a job anywhere. Like, what were you going to do? So he was like, do I go to the next level of education? Do I want to get into that much more debt? Like, I don't know. You know, there's just like all these questions. So I was like, oh, we should do something on the side because my student loans are kicking in and we need extra money to help pay them. (laughs) So I started off with this different business that was doing props and stuff. And that was very small. It didn't really take off. And then we were like, we could do scarves. And it was like, I like scarves. People like scarves. So he didn't know how to sew. He taught himself how to sew. And so basically he ran the business while I worked and basically got it off the ground. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just this thing where we started it not thinking it would be anything. And then in retrospect, it was the right time on Etsy to start up something like this and to kind of give us room to grow. Like I feel like if you start a business on Etsy nowadays, you don't really have the kind of space that we had where our pictures weren't the best and like maybe our stuff wasn't the best, but we figured it out. You don't have any room for that kind of nonsense nowadays. You have to go into it like running. Like it was like this perfect time in like the Etsy bubble where you could develop and whatever. And so, yeah, once we realized that like that was a thing, we really started to put ourselves into it. And then that was it. Then I was like working a full-time job and having a full-time business. And that was nuts. Yeah, you were up all the time. I can always reach you. Yeah, I was like, I sleep like three hours a night. And like, I am sorry to my full-time job because I was always very tired. And that wasn't fair to anyone. But you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. (laughs) Absolutely. So how did you get started? How did you get the materials and get the space yes. to work and all so, that? So we'd moved from Brooklyn to Staten Island and we were like renting like a little house in Staten Island. So, okay, whatever. Because it was cheaper than Brooklyn because Brooklyn was absurd. So we had like a little bit of room and we actually borrowed $40 from Johnny's mom to buy supplies to get started. <laughs> she was like, here's $40 to get you started, you know. So we, you know, bought the supplies and we never took out a business loan. We never, whatever. We always took what we made from the materials that we had and reinvested them into the business. So since we started so small, so once we sold that, we reinvested it. And then like, what did we do? Okay. The first thing we did was we bought like a nice camera because I was like, we need a better camera. And then (laughs) to start to take photos, I was taking them on an $8 mannequin on a piece of cardboard like (laughs) under fluorescent light which is terrible (laughs) I didn't know anything anyway so you know so then we upgraded it's like okay what's next we built a light box and then we invested into a photo studio and then we invested in sewing machines you know what I mean like you know you just keep taking like that next step that next step that next step so like by the time we had moved out to Wyoming to take this full time like we were ready for like those bigger steps into expanding our product lines and stuff. You totally went to exactly the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was Wyoming. So first and foremost, how did you know that you were ready to make a move out of Staten Island and work on the biz full time? Yeah, so our lease was coming up in Staten Island and we were like, well, we got to move. And it's like, well, we had just went through Hurricane Sandy, which those of you in New York understand what I'm talking about. 
we were like a block from where the water stopped. And like, I grew up in a town that flooded badly. Like my dad's business and my sister's business had flooded in like, I think it was like 2011 from Hurricane Irene or something like that. And like, I mean, they got water up to their second floor. So like, I'm very familiar with flooding. And like the idea that I lived in an area that could flood and we could lose everything. I was just like, we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) Like I can't live my life in these places that have these horrific events with water. Like I just, I can't, I'm not doing it, you know? So we were like, we need to change. And like, okay. So I was commuting an hour and a half each way every day to work. So that's three hours a day. If everything went smoothly for anyone who lives in New York, you know that sometimes that means that it could take you four hours to get home. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. And like, After four years of doing that, like, Kristen, I couldn't. Like, it was killing me. It was killing me. I had to wake up at the crack of dawn to go into work, to be there all day, to commute home, to work all night. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was so much. Like, I just was exhausted. So we were, like, looking into places in Brooklyn, but, like, in that four years we were in Staten Island. Oh, man. Rents went through the roof in Brooklyn. It was going to be, like, three grand. And, like, we have this business now. And, like, where are we going to put all that? So... We were like, can we do this business full time? (laughs) You know what I mean? It was like one of those things where it's like, could we? I think so. And it's like, we had saved all of the money that we had made from the business. So like we had like this big chunk that was either going to get spent paying for rent for a year in Brooklyn, or we could put a down payment on a house somewhere. You know, it was like that thing where you're like, you start to question your life choices where you're like, do I want to throw it away and rent or do I want to actually own something? So I was like, okay, let's move (laughs) because that's how I roll. I called my mom at one point. I was like, I think we're going to move. And she's like, move where? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, okay, you know, (laughs) I don't know if she believed me or not, but she just comes to accept it when I'm just like, we're going to do this crazy thing. And she's just, yeah, okay. I know you guys do that stuff so whatever so we were like looking you know like North Carolina Texas we just knew that we wanted space and land that wasn't expensive in some place that wasn't New York which taxed the bejesus out of you and wants every nickel and dime from you with people crushed on top of each other like that whole city thing I love it but it gets to a point where you have to be man I don't know it's not as charming as it used to be I'm tired (laughs) either you're in it for life or you do it for a couple years and you're like okay I'm ready to go that's exactly it and I have a lot of friends who like have had that same thing because I feel like you don't understand the kind of things you put up with until you move out And then you're like, I can't believe we lived with that for so long that we dealt with all of like, I commuted three hours a day every day. That's insane. What is wrong with me? Yeah, You know, like, what? It is certainly a lot. And I think that New York City is its own beast and has been for a long time. But then once you have a kid in New York City, it's a whole other ball of wax. So that's where Mike and I are at right now. I don't know how you do it. And like bless you because I couldn't do it I couldn't do it it's like crazy like I just think of you guys and I think my god 
you know, I'm doing the Hunger Games salute to you because like, <laughs> I just don't know. I think it was like District 11 or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm doing that because I see that and I'm like, man, that takes a lot. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. Yeah. So anyways, Johnny's like, what about out West? Because we kind of had this weird fascination with the West because this is going to sound silly to anyone who doesn't play video games, but like we've played Red Dead Redemption, which is a video game that takes place in the old west and we had developed this sort of fascination with the west and the old west and whatever and i was like i don't know whoever thinks about what's out west in america like i don't know i never did so we were like montana and i'm like eh, montana's okay what's south of montana and it's like wyoming and it's like who's ever thought of wyoming as a state and i don't mean to insult wyoming because I like love it with all my heart. But how many times do you think about Wyoming? Like never. I never so, thought about it until you lived there. So <laughs> definitely never. Not. No, definitely not. It's like a state and it exists, but it has the least amount of people in the whole country. So no one ever thinks about it. And that's what made it perfect for us because no one thinks about Wyoming. So everyone leaves it alone. So we were like, I found a listing online and we called our realtor and that was it. We bought it and we had never been out here. We never came to visit the house. We just bought it and we moved. Now you live on a many, many acre ranch, basically, right? Yeah, I mean ranch. I'd have to have some animals, I think. But we have like... Animals walk through, right? (laughs) We've got deer. My neighbor actually saw a bobcat out her window the other day. And she said that he came from here. We've seen cougars, wolves. There used to be elk that would come over here, but they stay over in the canyon. Anyway, so we have like 30, I don't know, 36, 39 acres. I know, it's ridiculous. You know, like, it's no ridiculous. problem. <laughs> no big deal. Well, you know, it's no big deal until it snows and you can't get out of your driveway and you have to walk packages down so the mail person can pick them up because it's five days before Christmas and people are messaging you and you're like you don't understand what we went through to get your packages in the mail you know it's good no it's good that was a weird winter storm that is very unlikely anyway so we live in this little place that's actually named after lewis and clark because this is where they wintered when they were coming across the country amazing i know there's lots of history here and people love their history you know we live next to a tour, you know, Cody, which is a tourist town, which is like makes it amazing because there's always something to do. We're near Yellowstone. There's so much like history. Like we've seen places where like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid like hung out and like a bank that they shot up. And, you know, you, you just have all this like cool old Westy history. Jeremiah Johnson's grave is in town, you know, all this like cool stuff. And like we're really into that. So it like really suits us. That is awesome. I actually just met someone who lives in Cody. Obviously, we didn't meet in person. We met online, but I thought, no, oh, stop it. You I know did? two people in Wyoming. Her name is Lila Higgins. So, Oh, no, I know Lila. Oh, my gosh. I just yeah. can't believe that now I know two, two people. I can't believe I would have introduced you to Lila. <laughs> That's amazing. Now I guess I know three because I know Johnny, too. So Three you people. know Johnny too. Yeah, Lo, Lila's amazing. She does like her wake to make stuff and she's like incredible. I actually haven't met her in person yet, but like it will happen. And it's like, how can you not? And it's like, well, I live, you know, 35 miles from town. You really have to sync that up if you're going to run into someone. 
but I know her and stuff and like I had met her through a different group that I was in and I was like what do you mean you're in the area like no one's in the area that's crazy yeah I was really surprised in the whole wide world because I knew that you were close to Cody and close enough that you had mentioned it so yeah that's where we do all our grocery shopping so we go once a week nice so let's dive into sort of two other things I'd love to talk about which is one how do you and the hubs divide up the business responsibilities Right. I love that question because it's such a natural thing for us. I don't know. We just don't think about it. We just kind of like do, you know, we have our flow and people will be like, oh, why don't you hire someone else? And I'm like, I don't think you understand. We're good. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We work really well together. And I feel like that's an amazing thing because I hear people say, oh, I can never work with my husband. And I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that because, you know, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I love it. So first of all, he does all the finances because... I can't. And by I can't, I mean, like, it's not me. I'm not that kind of person. So when it comes to bills and finances and taxes and like, he just does it and it's magic to me and I don't know how it happens. And I just, I'm like, he's like a wizard over there <laughs> with his finances. But I imagine that he would say the same thing about me, about all the online stuff. Cause I handle all the social media and he doesn't have a social media, like anything. He's not interested. So I'm telling him about Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And he's like, I don't understand what you're saying, but cool. You know, <laughs> that's great. So I handle all that kind of online stuff. And then when it comes to work, we cut fabric together. And then I prep all the small stuff, which means like, oh, I'll cut out. I don't know. Like I'm looking at piles of stuff. So like I have lace, so I'll cut out all the lace and then gloves and then I'll cut them out. Oh, there's their custom size. So I create the patterns and do that. And then I prep it. And so then he on our brand new industrial sewing machines that we just got, which are amazing. He sews them. And so then I'll do whatever the next step is. And then he sews them. And then depending on the time of year, usually I take care of the packing orders, but like at Christmas, he'll jump in because sometimes it's too much. So yeah, the making takes up most of our time because, uh, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's good. It's good work. And then when it comes to new products, like we have a book, I just recently got into doing this in the fall where like every time we talk about thing that we want to do, I write it down that way in a month from now I can go into it and I can be like, okay, here's all the things we talked about. How do we want to do it? Let's get it done. Um, so we do that and then he takes the photos. He's the photographer and I model is maybe obvious. I don't know, but that's me and all of our product photos. If anybody wants to know, that's me with like an hour and a half of hair and makeup and some Photoshop. Like <laughs> you look <That's> beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. That took a long time for me to be like, okay with doing that. Cause I thought it was weird at first. I don't know. I wasn't really like, I was like, is this weird? And then I got into it and now I'm fine. Whatever. It's great. Just like take pictures of my legs and put them on the internet. It's awesome. <laughs> I think, well, one, your legs are great. And two, I think it's fabulous. And it really helps tell the story of what everything is going to look like and feel like. And so I think it really works for my customer perspective. Well, and I hope so. And I hope that because I feel like I'm a normal person, I'm not some model beauty queen who's like 100 pounds. There's nothing wrong with being skinny or have whatever your body shape is. But I feel like I've got like a normal body shape and whatever. So you can kind of get a feeling of like, this is what it looks like on a real person. Not some paid model or something like I'm a real person I really wear this stuff if I'm not gonna wear it chances are we're not gonna make it mm -hmm. so 
I am wearing three pieces of stuff of ours right now. Like I've got the leg warmers on and I'm wearing a headband and like, why do I wear them? Like to show it off. It's like, no, I wear them because they're super comfortable and I really wanted them. So I was like, we're making leg warmers now and headbands and whatever. Excellent. I am owners of both. I got the leg warmers for Christmas for my sister. Yay. Very exciting. No, that's amazing. And my second question off of what you told us about starting the business is I imagine there's a lot of people who are intrigued about the idea of moving to many acres in Wyoming because it's kind of a unique thing. So can you tell us a little bit about what your life is like there? Yeah, that's a great, I do get that a lot, you know, where people are like, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, I understand that you'd have to be a certain kind of person to enjoy this life. So the things that I love the most are like, is that I get to be home with my husband all day. And like, maybe that's not for everyone, but he's my favorite person in the world. So I love being home with him all day. I never liked going to work and having to be apart from him all day. I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of attachment thing, but like, I just want to hang out with him all the time and do stuff with him. So that's just who we are as a couple. So that's amazing. So yeah, so like I wake up and like, what did we do today? Like we woke up and like he was finishing stuff for sewing and I'm, you know, finishing the rest of it. Like I have to do like a lot of finishing stuff on the small items and then I'm going to pack them. And I don't know, around noon we have lunch and around six we have dinner and we hang out at night. And once a week we go into town for groceries and once a month we go up to Billings Billings is like the nearest city. So we'll go up to like Costco and, you know, whatever stuff like that. Cabela's and I don't know, food that is different, (laughs) you know, like they're getting a five guys. (laughs) So I'm really excited about that. Nice. I know. I'm so excited. So yeah. And then like, what else do we do? I don't know. We just like hang out. I don't know. Like we just like hang out. Like it's very chill. Like we don't really have like a set schedule. Like we do work when we need to do work and like, it feels like we work all the time and I think that we do, but like, it's not that bad. Like, I don't know. I don't mind it. Cause I don't have to leave my house. Nice. So yeah. So that's kind of, you know, go out on the porch, watch the rabbit. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's very chill. It's very quiet. Nobody bothers us. That's it. That's what we do. That sounds lovely. Now you did mention this and I guess sort of a couple of things, which is one, you have this idea book. So cotton fans I'm sure are very excited to hear that there's ideas you know we always take a look at like what does our product line look like where do we want to expand because I feel like when you have a business you really always have to be looking at like where are we at where do we want to be and like what kind of things can we offer that our customers would be interested in that are different than what they have now Mm -hmm. yeah so that's where we're at that's amazing and it's a lot for us because we're only two people. So, you know, certainly looking forward to it. I'm- yeah, Joy. Well, you know, a big market that we've gotten into for women is tattoo cover ups. Nice. Having worked um, at Disney, which, I'm very familiar with those. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that it was a thing that people had to do until like people started buying our products for that purpose. So now we try to really design items if they're jewelry wrist related that like, we can make for you that look like jewelry, but cover up your tattoo that's maybe three or four inches or, you know, and 
make them customizable. I think that's like a big part of what we do is like, we just had someone contact us and they wanted a pair of gloves, but they wanted them like 17 inches long and they wanted them in a fabric we didn't have and in lace. So we just worked with them and now they're getting a really, oh my God, the most beautiful pair of long lace ivory gloves ever. (laughs) They're so gorgeous. I can't wait for her to get them. You know, so it's like those kind of projects then like, okay, that's like the second time we've gotten asked to make like opera length gloves in like the last two weeks. So like, that's something that we're going to be adding, like we're going to be adding that kind of like past elbow length glove, because that's a request we get often. So those kind of custom items turn into products that we offer because it's like, oh, short gloves, like we get a lot of requests for short gloves. So like, we're going to add them, those kind of things. So, you know, we just really take those kind of custom orders into consideration of like, oh, you know what? People might actually want this since they ask for it all the time. That is awesome. So I'm going to switch gears into my final round of questions. And this totally needs a sexy name, but I don't have one for it yet. So uh, we'll call it sexy question round. Uh, So (laughs) what is the biggest assumption that people make about you? Um, I think, I think the biggest assumption that people make about me is that I like to be around other people. I have made that <laughs> assumption about you. You're so loquacious and friendly. And so it was quite it's a like, shift. It's not that I don't like being around people. It's just that like the older I got, the more I realized that a lot of the anxiety and stress issues that I had came from forcing myself to be in new situations with new people and like maybe that was fine when I was younger but like the older I get like I get really nervous if I have to be in a large group of people that I don't know anyone and it's not like I'm not fine when I get there and I'm not social and friendly and like the nicest person you've ever met I don't know it just gives me this weird anxiety and like I don't like doing stuff if someone wants to make plans with me like my first thought in my head is like, how do I say no without being rude? And it's like, not that I don't want to do stuff with them, but I just don't like plans. I don't know if that's normal or if that's directly related to moving to the middle of nowhere, but like, I don't like making plans. I don't like having to go out and do stuff unless it's like on the fly. Like, I don't know. So I think that's the biggest assumption. And I love everyone and I do want to hang out with you, but it makes me nervous. So I'm sorry. I think that (laughs) there is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. What would be one takeaway you'd want people to get from this podcast episode? One takeaway is that if you want to start a business, please don't think that you need to have a million dollars and be the best at everything. You're fine. Do you have a good idea? Do you know who you want to sell to? Like, you should give it a go and like give it the best go that you can. Don't half ass it, but don't feel like you need to, I don't know, be perfect right off the bat. Like we're still learning stuff. Like it took us a really long time to like really figure out photography. Kristen helped me with my photography early on. If you'll remember, you were like giving me these online classes on like how to work a camera, you know? Well, and you took it and you surpassed me and your work is lovely. <laughs> I'm staring at your beautiful face right now on Skype. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, so you have that, you know, you can learn as you go. And like, I just feel like people shouldn't be afraid to try something new and to do it, even if they don't know exactly what they're doing, because like, it's fine. Nobody actually knows what they're doing. I feel like that's the biggest secret of these businesses that you see. 
nobody actually knows what they're doing. We just talk to each other. And then we're like, do you know what you're doing? And it's like, no. And it's like, well, me either. You know what? Let's just like do it. Like, it's fine. You know, so don't worry. You'll figure it out. Just go with it. Excellent advice. Now, I usually ask if you have a book you'd like to recommend. And I'd love to know that. But I would also love to know if you have a video game you'd like to recommend. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So my current video game obsession is this downloadable game called Stardew Valley. And if you like task-based games, say like Cooking Mama or one of those, and you also like, I think Minecraft, would, I mean, I've never played Minecraft, but I feel like it would be a good whatever. It's like a very chill, happy game where like, you're a farmer and then like you can like raise crops and like have animals but then you have this people that you get to know and relationships and it's just cute and fun and kind of chill and you can like play for an hour and relax and then also go play Red Dead Redemption that's my other game that I'm (laughs) and The Witcher 3 I maybe put like 300 hours into that game and could probably put 100 more in I love that game so much so I bought the books that's how good the game was I bought the books So three, you got three video games for the price of one. (laughs) Excellent. And certainly there's a lot of Witcher 3 in this apartment in New York City. So, (gasps) Oh my God. Right? It's so good. It's so good. So good. (laughs) It is very, it's very entertaining. I agree. You want a book? If you have one, I'd love to hear a book. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm a bad person to ask for business books because I know like people are always recommending business books and like, here's the truth, guys. I don't read business books. I don't have... I really don't do any of that. Like, I don't take business classes. Like, we don't do any of that stuff. So please don't ever feel like, well, I have to lay down like $300 for this class that some person's giving because, I don't know, they're going to teach me something. It's like, why don't you figure out what you know first and then you can go from there. So if I'm going to recommend a book (laughs) and and no one is going to be surprised by this, it's going to be A Game of Thrones by George R.R. Martin. There you go. I recommend that book. They're the best book series I've ever read in my whole life. So that's my book recommendation. Excellent. Now, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I'm really good on Twitter for being social. I use a businessy where I'll do like businessy tweets, but like really I've met a lot of incredible people on Twitter. So Twitter's good. Facebook is good for business, but like I really don't like chatting through Facebook Messenger for business because, and this is going to be apparent to anyone who has a business, but like they have this little function where it says how fast you respond. So I feel like if people are messaging me through the business messenger that I have to like respond immediately. So my numbers stay up on there. And it's like, I prefer email for business purposes, Twitter for social and like Instagram is great. I love Instagram. I love like seeing what people are up to. So any of those. And your handle is forgotten cotton on Twitter and Instagram. That's us. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, you know, and definitely follow us on Facebook because I feel like you get a lot more out of Facebook post wise, but like we try to balance them all. So yeah, all of those come and chat with us. Say hi. If you own one of our things, tag us, you know, the usual. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like if you follow you on Facebook, you get a lot more of the like community aspect of forgotten cotton lovers. 
I but. totally agree with that. That's what it's, I think, I feel like that's what Facebook is good for. It's good for like that community. It's good for like, I can do more storytelling on that. Like Instagram, like it's really about like the picture and the image and the whole feed. But like Facebook, I can be like, Hey, here's a picture of my husband trying to plow out our driveway at Christmas time. And we're really sorry if there's a delay because no one can get out of Wyoming right now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I can communicate with people better on Facebook. So, you know, just follow us on all three. <laughs> That's fine, too. That sounds Whatever bad. you got. Yeah. Hey, well, Lady, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and the Notable Woman audience today. I love you so much. So, so happy for you. I... Oh, thanks. Wasn't that so much fun? I love Lizzie's story. I'm so impressed with her. She really made her life exactly the way she wanted it. And I hope that her story inspires you. So that if you perhaps have something you'd rather be doing than what you're doing right now, that you know that you can do it. And if you want to live in a different part of the country or the world, I hope you know that you can do it. Lizzie did it. She's an inspiration, right? I hope she inspires you if this is what you need. Now, my recommendation for you is to head over to ForgottenCotton.com and definitely get a scarf. I mean, she's not paying me to say this, but they're so great. You just got to do it. So get a scarf and then go to the Notable Woman Facebook page and send me a picture. All right, because I, I really want to see what you picked out. Have a great day, y'all. I will be back again next week. Bye for now.